Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. I am your host, Daniel Gundlach, and I am thrilled to share with you the opera and classical singers about whom I am most passionate. I hope that when you hear these voices, you might echo me in saying, God, I love her, or God, I love him. Now, Without any further ado, I bring you this week's episode. Also, my dear friends, welcome to Counter Melody. <laughs> I'm just being silly. Welcome to 2020 and the completely new year of Counter Melody Podcasts. Pardon my French, but there was a hell of a lot of shit that went down with trying to get that last episode posted, episode 15, which was my tribute to many of the artists who departed this earth in 2019. We are going to take a slightly different format for the first at least two months of, as Barbara Walters would say, 2020. It's because I'm doing a lot of traveling and I have some other commitments, so I'm not going to be able to be devoting 12 hours a day to the podcast. But I have a wonderful idea. I'm going to present one of my favorite albums every week that has not made it onto CD or any other more up-to-date platform. Today's album is 1979's issue of Souvenirs, featuring the soprano Ellie Ameling and the late, great Dalton Baldwin, who died less than a month ago. So this album, the U.S. issue was called Souvenirs, and it says it was recorded at CBS Studios New York. I don't understand why it never got a reissue, because it's really one of Ellie Omling's most charming, and some of the music on here is fantastic. For the most part, it's simply never been better performed, I don't think. Now, my not-boyfriend was speaking to me about Ellie Ameling the other day, and he said, you know, I just don't get her. I appreciate her, I respect her, but I just she doesn't grab me. It's funny, because I heard Ellie Ameling in concert in my formative years. I must have heard her at least seven or eight times. And she was a remarkably consistent, if small-scale, artist. I mean, she just didn't do things on an enormous scale. That, that wasn't her artistry. I remember going to a masterclass with Ellie Ameling in Milwaukee as part of the art song festival that Yolanda Marculescu put together. I'll be talking about her in future. Ellie Ameling was there, and I actually played for a soprano from Boston, I think it was. Her name was Leslie something, and she sang the Forêt song En Sourdine, which is the second of the Cinq Mélodies de Venise of Forêt. She didn't really have too much to say to me or to the soprano that I was working with. I don't think we really engaged her all that much. But one of the things that she said in general to the participants and the Zuschauer, the, what is the word, auditors, was taste the words. I remember this. Taste the words, she said. Mmm, they taste so good. And it's true, the words really do taste good. And how do you properly convey that? By actually singing the consonants on the breath, you convey it by singing the correct vowels, you convey it by finding vowel harmony from vowel to vowel, and you simply sing the colors. If you did nothing more than that, you would be conveying enormous meaning just on a 
poetically would be conveying meaning. But Ellie Amling goes far beyond that. She's very specific with her response to the text, no matter what language she's singing in. And as we're going to hear a number of different languages. And in fact, let's not waste any more time. The first thing on this record is Gioacchino Rossini's La Danza. I had been operating under the mistaken impression that La Danza is from Rossini's Pesce de Vieillesse, or Sins of My Old Age, which was a miscellaneous collection of piano and vocal music that he published following his retirement as an opera composer at the age of 40. However, it is from a different collection of vocal music called Les Soirées Musicales, which was written between 1830 and 1835 and published in the latter year. Included in this set is a duet called La Regata Veneziana. There also exists a small cycle of three songs under the same title, La Regata Veneziana, and in a few weeks we'll be hearing a recording of Jenny Turrell singing those songs, so stay tuned for that. Meanwhile, here are Ellie Ameling and Dalton Baldwin, who makes this extraordinarily difficult accompaniment sound like it's the easiest thing in the world to play. Oh, la 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 la
The next thing on the record is from the set of Chant d'Auvergne, Songs of the Auvergne, arranged by Joseph Conteloube. These are glorious songs. The French soprano Madeleine Gray was the first, I think, to record them. Joseph Conteloube made five different sets of Chant d'Auvergne, arranged for soprano with either piano or orchestra accompaniment. Everyone has their favorite versions of these songs. Many, many great sopranos have recorded them. My favorite versions are probably, well, the original version of Madeleine Gray, as I was mentioning. The Israeli soprano Netanya Davrat made a very interesting, very folk-oriented version in the early 60s. I like Frederic von Stades. I think it combines many of the best aspects with, you know, a lush voice with also a beautiful response to the text. There are also more obscure versions recorded by two superb sopranos, Jill Gomez and Marvis Martin, that are definitely worth seeking out. These are really very lush, interventionist versions that Conteloube wrote, not at all what one might think of if one were thinking purely of folk music. Ellie Ameling recorded, I can't pronounce this for the life of me, but it's called Brezairola or Berceuse or Lullaby. It's one of the more famous ones and it's really lovely and I hope you enjoy it.
Friends, I have to simply stop saying wonderful to describe everything. Although I try not to offer music on here that isn't wonderful, let's try and be a little bit more descriptive. So here's a very perky number. called De los Alamos Vengo Madre. This is from Joaquin Rodrigo's cycle, Cuatro Madrigales Amatorios, or Four Madrigals of Love. This is, in fact, also arranged from a folk song, as are the other three songs in the set, I believe. It's very flamboyant. It shows a real sort of flamenco flair. Ellie Amling sings this with such delight and such a delicious response to the text. It might surprise people to know how wonderful she was in Spanish repertoire. The next composer represented here is the tragically short-lived Jean Villarmoz, who was killed at the age of 33 in June 1940 in a small Alsatian village just hours before the signing of the German-French Armistice Treaty. I had confused him with the more famous composer, critic, theorist, Emile Villermoz, but there does not appear to have been any familial relation. I've included a short essay about Villermoz on the show notes page to this episode. I refer you there to also see some photos of the artists and composers that we're hearing today. Ellie Ameling unearthed this superb song, Jardin d'Amour. This is another arrangement of a folk song. It's one of those beautiful tunes that that is very slender, but that really manages to work its magic by the simplest of means. It's feather light, and yet there's a real sense of wonder and incredible charm to this setting.
So this next song is by Sergei Rachmaninoff. I am a huge fan of Rachmaninoff's songs. I hope some of you are as well. This one is called Spring Waters. My Russian is nothing to write home about, but this apparently is the pronunciation of Spring Waters in Russia. Thank you, Google Translate. Spring waters. Meaning, not waters from a spring, but waters that flow from the melting snow in the springtime. The first line is... Or something like that. One sentence that I remember from having studied uh, Russian is Luce pozna chemnikagda, which means better late than never. And I certainly think that that applies to me in my own life, <laughs> better late than never. I could also, because my dear friend Patty and I performed some Russian music together, specifically Tatiana's letter scene on one of my recitals. I can still recite some of that for you. Etc. And I won't bore you with any more of that. But I promise you that in the next couple weeks, you are going to be hearing one of my most beloved singers, Elizabeth Söderström, in a rare recording from her absolute prime, doing that very same Tatiana's letter scene. So stick with me. I think that's probably going to be in two weeks. You are in for such a treat. In the meantime, here's Ellie Amling singing Spring Waters. She takes an optional high note at the end, and almost nobody does. Söderström did not do it in her recording. I don't think Vishnevskaya does it in her recording. And actually, it's a little ungallant to point this out, but you can hear a little kind of in Ellie's high note here. But I appreciate her going out on a limb with her rather slender voice and still going for it and digging right in. It's a wonderfully earthy, visceral performance and I deeply love her. So there, you naysayers.
Now, here's one that I offered last week in honor of Dalton Baldwin, but which I cut slightly because of time constraints. Now I'm going to play the complete version for you. That is the Rinaldo Ann song La Dernière Valse. This is a poem by Maurice Donnet and Henri Duvernois. The song was published in 1926, and it is a real tearjerker. The narrator is saying, we're dancing for the last time together. You're about to leave me. Take once more my hand that trembles at the sound of your voice. And if you see tears shining in my eyes, perhaps then my tears will seem to sparkle with charm to smooth away my unhappiness. Uh, what is the French here? I can't help but read the French. I'm just too effing pretentious. Cruel, cruel, tu vois des larmes qui coulent de mes yeux. Mais les yeux n'ont plus de charme pour les cœurs oublieux. Cruel, cruel one, you see the tears that flow from my eyes, but my tears no longer have charms for your forgetting heart. <laughs> oh my god, it's so heartbreaking. Here it is, La Dernière Valse. Triste, 
this is one of the loveliest cuts on this record. Well, it's actually a two-part song by Charles Ives called Memories. The first one is very pleasant, and the second one is called Rather Sad. There's not much more to say, although you get to hear Ellie Ameling whistling, and if you are an Ellie Ameling fan, you know that whistling was something that she would do at the drop of a hat. She does it on not just this record, but on several of her others, including on her pop album, After Hours, when she whistles a scat refrain to I Got Rhythm. And perhaps I shall offer that, because that also was never reissued. Now we have the Arnold Schoenberg song Gigalette. He wrote a set of Brettellieder for a cabaret. I'm just going to read briefly from the introduction to the published edition of the Brettellieder. These notes are by Leonard Stein, who actually appeared as the pianist on the world premiere recording of these with Marnie Nixon in the mid-1970s. 
Schoenberg's short association with the literary cabaret in Berlin has provoked much fascinating conjecture about his activities during the period of its existence. According to the biographer H. H. Stuckenschmidt, the composer, while still in Vienna at the end of 1900, obtained a copy of Deutsche Chansons, or Brettellieder, which contained the verses of the young poets who belonged to the new cabaret movement. Schoenberg set three of those poems, Nachtwandler in April, Galatea in September, and Gigalette, for which no exact date is given. Two other songs in this style, each one called Brettel Lieder by Schoenberg, Der genügsame Liebhaber und Einfältiges Lied appeared in April, and two more, Jedem das Seine and Manung in June and July, respectively. In September 1901, Schoenberg was introduced to Ernst von Wolzogen, director of the Überbrettel Company of Berlin, which was on tour in Vienna by Oskar Strauss, its music director. Wolzogen formally engaged Schoenberg as Kapellmeister of the company in December, at which time Schoenberg moved to Berlin, where he lived until 1903. So it was through his association with the Überbrettel company that he in fact moved to Berlin. That's very interesting, I didn't know that. These were published in 1970, according to this. Now they've become very popular. This one is Gigalette. Fräulein Gigalette invited me to tea. Her attire matched the snow's purity. Just like Pierrette was she all decked out. Even a monk, I bet, would cover Gigalette, never having doubt. So this is a, clearly a singing translation. She's uh, clearly a seductress, and they go off in her coach together, and Cupid held the reins. Rather understated, perhaps, but we know what they're getting at. Now this last song on side one is called Oyasumi no Sai. It's a beautiful song. I know that Gerard Suzé was very popular in Japan, as was Ellie Ameling. 
I must say, the Japanese public, they know what they like, and they're very appreciative and very faithful. The composer of this song is Yoshinao Nakada. His father was also a composer and music teacher. He lived from 1923 to 2000. He composed quite a bit of music, orchestral music, a cantata, choral music, but primarily, I would say, he's probably most remembered for his songs. The song that Ellie offers here, Oyasumi Nasai, means good night, and it is the sixth of his six children's songs, Opus 8. It's a very sort of impressionistic tonal language, and it means, have a good night till the shadows of the trees begin to dance upon the door, till the sparrows begin their chirping, till the mountains begin to glow in the glorious morning sun. Have a good night till tomorrow, till night recedes far away. If I had an advertiser for the podcast, here's where I'd be putting in a little ad. But lacking that, we're just going to forge right ahead with side two of souvenirs. You probably hear a lot of clomping overhead. There's nothing I can do about it. It's New Year's Eve. The people upstairs clearly have grandchildren or some sort of thing going on there. I don't know, but they're making a hell of a lot of noise. I wish that they uh, would take a little nap. I'm just going to pretend that I don't hear them, and I hope that it's not too disturbing for you guys. We begin side two of Souvenirs with Henry Purcell's music for a while. Here, Ellie Ameling brings a very beautiful approach to the music, I think. I have one other favorite recording of this, and that is by the Welsh 
mezzo soprano slash contralto Helen Watts. I love when people sing this music with their actual voices. And don't do all of these damn special effects like taking the vibrato out of their sound, singing flat for supposed expressive effect. Just sing the damn music, please. This is what I ask of you. And that is what Ellie Ameling does here. So enjoy her beautiful performance of Music for a While by Henry Purcell from the stage production of Oedipus.
The next piece is by John Weldon from the generation after Henry Purcell. John Weldon states are 1676 to 1736. He was in fact a student of Purcell's. Some people think that he composed the bulk of the music for the Shakespeare Tempest that is generally attributed to Purcell. We don't know that for sure, but he did set some other incidental music and also wrote, in fact, church music. He succeeded John Blow as the Chapel Royal organist and was made second composer under William Croft. These are names that perhaps you guys know. So he wrote a lot of sacred choral music, which I really love that stuff. Maybe some of you do too. A couple of operas. And I don't know what this song is from, The Wakeful Nightingale, but it's damn charming. For love that makes him wake makes him sing. I'm sure none of you have ever had that experience before. <clears throat> no comment. Now we're going to turn to the heartbreak of love. We have the happy side of love. Now let's have the miserable side of love. This is one of my, actually my favorite songs. It tells you something about me. It's Britain's arrangement of O Whaley Whaley, that is, the water is wide. I have a deep connection to this song, and it all started with hearing it on this very recording. Oh, love is handsome and love is fine, and love's a jewel while it is new. But when it is old, it groweth cold, and fades away like morning dew. Oh man, I think Britain, some of his folk song settings are a little fussy, but not this one. This one just builds in power until it's almost unbearable. A ship there is and she sails the sea. She's loaded deep as deep can be, but not so deep as the love I'm in. I know not if I sink or swim. The water is 
This next piece is called Unter den Linden, and it is from the Drei Minnelieder. So this is a cycle by Frank Martin, three troubadour songs. It's a beautiful text by Walter von der Vogelweide, who, if you remember your Meistersinger, he's one of the Meistersinger. Beautiful text. It's very saucy. It's very suggestive. It's kind of... Under the linden on the heath, there lay the bed. There would you find both lovely blossoms broken upon the grass. From the forest in the valley, Tandarade sweetly sang the nightingale. I went to the lea there where my loved one had come. There I was given such a welcome as a noble lady that I was more blissful than ever before. Did he kiss me a good thousand time? Tandarade, ah, see how red is my mouth. So then did he prepare a bed out of blossoms. Heartily would anyone rejoice were he in that place by the roses tandera day. Well could he note how joyful it was with me. That he lay by me, God forbid, that anyone should know I would be so ashamed what he did with me. No one shall ever find out save he and I and a little bird. Tandera day, and that would truly be sad. So she gets to have her fun and keep it all a secret, as long as that little bird keeps his mouth shut. <laughs> Unter den Linden by Frank Martin. Gott, so schaut ich mich. 
Now here's a marvelous song that I deeply love, and many of you will know this in its version for solo piano. Speaking of Franz Liszt and the Liebestraum, he wrote three Liebesträume for piano. I think this is number three. And here he gave it words, which he sometimes did with some of his songs. For instance, the Sonnets of Petrarch, which I don't know how I did this, but for my senior recital in undergraduate, I actually played the piano versions of the three Sonnets of Petrarch. Don't ask me. I never had the technique to be able to do that, even before my finger was destroyed. It's a funny thing <laughs> that I managed to get through those. But here is one of the Liebesträume of Franz Liszt with words attached to it called O Lieb. O Lieb, O Lieb, so lang du lieben kannst, so lang du lieben magst. Here's what it means. Love, O oh love, so long as thou canst, or dost on love believe, the time shall come when thou by graves shall stand and grieve, and see that still thy heart doth glow, doth bear and foster love divine, so long as e'er another heart shall beat in warm response to thine, And whoso bears his heart to thee, ah, show him love where in thy power, and make his every hour a joy, nor wound his heart at any hour. And keep a guard upon thy tongue, an unkind word is quickly said. Ah me, no ill was meant, and yet the other goes and weeps thereat. I don't know where this uh, version of the text came from, but it's clearly very Victorian in language. But it's okay, because it sort of suits the same lofty language used in the original German. Und hüte deine Zunge wohl, bald ist dein hartes Wort entflohen. Oh Gott, es ward nicht bös gemeint, der andere aber geht und weint. Here's Olive.
So here's Jan Sibelius. I love Sibelius. Practically everything about him, although his output is a little uneven. He wrote so many beautiful songs. This is an extremely attractive one, I wouldn't say by any means that it's his greatest song, but it's one of those... Well, at the beginning of every podcast episode, we have Claudia Muzio singing the Gavotte Vermanon, which is a very similar text. Take advantage of spring, because your young years are not going to last forever. And that's basically what this one is. It's called Worin Flickter Hastigt, and it means spring is flying, and still faster flies the summer. Autumn is delaying, and winter drags even more slowly. Soon the flower of girlhood will forever wither, never again to blossom. Yet through autumn live glad memories of springtime. Through the winter stretch the harvestings of summer. Spring may go flying, cheeks for me may wither. Now's the time for loving, 
now's the time for kissing. So we get a little bit more of that Scandinavian melancholy surrounding the passing of spring, here at least from a Swedish vantage point, because the song text is by Runeberg and is in Swedish, even though Sibelius, of course, is Finnish. Most of his songs are set in Swedish. Even when the autumn and winter are there and spring and summer have long fled, still you'll be able to look back on those days and derive a certain amount of perhaps melancholy satisfaction from what you experienced when you were young. But don't waste your time now, people. Get out there and do it. And those of us who are old, maybe we can still have a little bit of fun too as we also look back. Look, I live in Berlin. I'm not going to say anything more. Now here's an arrangement of a Dutch folk song. No credit is given for this thing. It's a very, very sexist text, but so many of these folk songs are. If you look at some of the texts to the, the incredibly beautiful Brahms folk song arrangements, for instance, you come across some pretty questionable texts here. So anyway, this one is the dialogue between a mother and daughter, as so many of these songs are, these folk songs. This one is called Muke, or Mother. Mother, there's a lover at the door. And the mother says, well, ask him what he wants to eat. Barley and prunes is the response. And the mother says, ask him what he wants to drink. Now, I don't know what this means. That with the small white tips. Tea mit vide puntjes. Because then the mother says, well, ask him where he wants to sleep. And the answer is, with the youngest daughter. And the mother says, well, ask him how much money he has. And she comes back, the daughter, a hundred thousand krilder. And then the mother says, well, let him in. Hallelujah. And the refrain to every verse of this song is hallelujah. So at the end, we're celebrating because this would-be lover has got lots of cash. And so mom says, absolutely let him in. Pick it up, 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 pick it up
This last song is called Afrikaans Vigelitje, African Lullaby, by the Belgian composer Emile Hulebroek, who lived from 1878 to 1965. Well, that's a very nice picture of him here. He's got a little goatee going. He looks very handsome. Studied at the Ghent Conservatory. He was one of the founders in 1899 of the Ghent's a cappella Chor. He wrote a large number of folk, battle, and art songs. Well, there you go. He was situated in the Dutch East Indies. He also traveled through South Africa and North America. This song is called Afrikaans Wiegelietje, a little African lullaby. Sleep now, my little one, mother's heart, dearest love, darlingest little pet. Listen to the whispering wind in the little tree. To and fro it sways above the little stream. Do, 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 little leaves, sleep time is near. Do, 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 little flowers, night is so very close. Thus sings the little breeze, rocking the leaves and flowers, innocent little eyes and hands and little feet. Who knows what future will bring for my little one? All through the puzzles and problems of each day. Please stay, my baby, and may it be very long. Please stay with mother to hold you and keep you safe. Sleep in her loving arms, tender and always warm. Dodo, my sweet one, asleep in his mother's arms. Oh. 
So that was Ellie Armeling's Souvenirs with Dalton Baldwin, the late, great Dalton Baldwin, accompanying her. On February 8th, she will turn 87 years old, so this is a bit of a pre-birthday celebration for Ellie Armeling, as well as a commemoration of Dalton Baldwin. I wish Ellie Armeling many more years upon this earth. She continues to teach. I think she's still teaching. She retired a number of years ago now from singing. I was at one of her final, at least one, maybe two, of her final New York recitals. It was a marvelous experience. She was in rather rough voice at the beginning, but then she did the three Lady of the Lake songs by Franz Schubert, the third of which, of course, is the most famous, the Ave Maria. She was in the middle of the first song. It's not Jägerruhe. Rastekrieger, that's what it's called, Rastekrieger. She reached the middle section of that song, and suddenly the tone started pouring out with much of the former warmth. And from then on, the rest of the recital was absolutely exquisite. She really did provide me with an enormous amount of enjoyment. One of my most important teachers was not at all enamored of Ellie Ameling, and he would group her in a number of other singers who he would say were fakes. He included among those Janet Baker, Jesse Norman, and Victoria de Los Angeles, who he said was the biggest phony of all. <laughs> I'm not equally enamored of all of those singers, but as many of you know, Janet Baker is one of my most revered artists of all time, and Ellie Ameling is not so far behind in my estimation. It was my great pleasure to present Ameling to you today, when we come back next week, I think I'm going to present something to you of the late, great Peter Schreier, the East German tenor who died on Christmas Day. I have so many LPs of his that have not been reissued so much on a CD or any other platform, so I might do his O Sole Mio, which features him in a lot of light fare, which I think is a charming way to hear Peter Schreier, because we don't normally associate him with that lighter material. We associate him with Bach, we associate him with Mozart, we associate him with Lieder. So I think I'm going to present O Sole Mio next week from Peter Schreier.
Thanks again and always to Alan Segal for the underscoring and to Steve Robinson, who was an enormous help to me this last week when I was having difficulty getting my episode posted. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Steve, many, many times over. Until next time, my dear friends, keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Gundlach. <laughs>